Hey everyone, welcome to Unlikely to Apologize. I'm one of your hosts, Nikki. And I'm Heather. And welcome to the first week of April. It is April. Oh my gosh, it's April. I know. I feel like we go through this every first of the month and we're just like, do over, new month. <laughs> well, yeah. I, uh, I'm going into a new month jobless. I know. I quit my job. I can finally share. <laughs> yeah, you can finally share. I quit my job. Good for you. How's your uh, first like week home? <laughs> well, so for the first time in my entire life of doing laundry, I ruined one, well, multiple of Shane's shirts. He freaking had a pen <laughs> in your his pocket. pocket somewhere yeah. and it got everywhere. Um, but I have this spray from Amazon. I don't know what it's called. I think I'm, I know exactly what, cause you put it on a little bottle and I sprayed the crap out of his shirts and then washed them like three times. And I think the stains came out. Oh, nice. Yeah. You use that on, I had that white kimono on one time when I was at your house and I spilled red wine on me. Yeah. And we used it. Yeah. So um, that happened. Um, but other than that, it's, it's been good. <laughs> That's um, good. Getting lots of stuff around the house done. My office is halfway cleared out um, of crap. Um, but yeah, that's all I have going on. What that's about good. you? You've had some Instagram drama. Yeah. So um, and it's, for those who don't know, there is a hacker account that is impersonating me and selling adult content. If you could. <laughs> So I didn't know the extent of it. And this is kind of a funny story. I thought it, you know, on Instagram, people were messaging me like two weeks ago and they were like, Hey, is this you? And I'm like, no, that's, that's not me. I never clicked on the link because they blocked me. So I didn't have access to the profile. So I just reported it to Instagram and next thing I know it's blocked. So I just assumed it was down. Mm-hmm. I get a phone call from my dad last night. <laughs> I can't. I get a phone call from my dad last night and he was like, Hey, have you ever heard of, um, what did he call it? Poker stars, I think it's called or something along those lines. And I was like, I've heard of it, but I don't, I don't really pocket stars. I'm sorry. It's pocket stars. Like I've heard of it, but I don't know too much. Like I've never, whatever. And he's like, well, I have some questions for you. I'm like, okay. And he was like, it's kind of, he's like, a friend sent it to me. They clicked on the link and your ass is on the site. And I started laughing. I go, dad, my ass is not on the site. And it's I looked my at, ass. it's not my ass. And I looked at pocket stars. I Googled it and I find out it's a porn website. So then I searched for my handle at Nikki cams and nothing comes up. So I screenshot and I sent it to my dad and I was like, all good. Not there. It must've been taken down, whatever. So I was like, you know what? I thought it was taken down originally. Let me, let me try again. So I, I go to our account and I find the fake Instagram account because they didn't block us. They blocked me because that's who they're oh, on Instagram. You went. Okay. Yeah. And I found it. So it never got taken down. So I was like, son of a bitch. So I click on it and it does, it brings you to a, a fake pocket stars account. So somebody is mimicking pocket stars right. and it's a picture of a woman's ass which is not mine. I wish my ass looked that good. I was going to ask you, is it at least a nice ass? <laughs> oh yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and then it has my handle at Nikki Cams and it's selling, and I don't even want to tell you what it's selling, but it's okay. selling like a bunch of adult contact and you can use your imagination of what different levels you could pay for. So then I was like, hold on. So then I start trying to find the website and me, my little sleuth 
sleuthing that I do. And I can't find this particular website if I Google it. I have to type in the actual link or click on it from Instagram. So it's actually using GoDaddy as as part of the URL, but it's not part of GoDaddy. It's literally like a phishing website. So there's no way for me to report it. So I'm like, fuck, what am I do now? So good old Reddit, because I love Reddit. Yeah. I typed in Pocket Stars scam. And this has been going on since like 2017. So they find people on Instagram, they take their pictures, like they save their picture somehow, and they create a profile that mimics just your screen name. Like they don't have any, any postings and yeah. they, they mimic. So in this particular example, they add an extra underscore under my name, but it's my yeah. picture. So I was like, who are these? And excuse my friends, this, this account's got 32 motherfucking followers who on my friends list is following, is following this. They're not asking so, you about it. So, and, and not you saying anything. Their friends. You so I look. did. So I did my brother-in-law, my, my father-in-law, like some people, <gasps> your father-in-law thinking so here's, this is you. So here's the thing: when you get a friend request, you can just accept it without looking at the profile. What it is. So they're just seeing my picture and your name and my name. So I have to actually text my father-in-law and be like, "Dad, <laughs> please, please, please stop following this." So and don't click the link in the bio and think that it's my ass. Yeah. So then I like continuing on Reddit. What they do, they don't even actually give you content. So if you try to purchase anything, they just steal your bank info. So you're not even, so if somebody decides that they want to see my ass or see me do some dirty things, they're never going to see it. They just literally take your credit card and your bank info. It's not there. Well, first of all, it's not there because you're not doing it. So it's like, well, I had people messaging me and I was like, I know you talked about selling your feet. And I was like, I know I talk about selling my feet all the time but I wouldn't do it this way. Like you would never know I was selling my feet. Like I, I keep it. I'm not going to use my real name. Right. Like I'm smarter than that guys. Come on. So yeah, that's, that was my day yesterday. Um, listening to my father ask me questions and I was like, don't worry. I'm not hurting. I'm not hurting that much yet, but my, my favorite comment, and I've gotten this from at least 10 people has been, you know, you made it when (laughs) I was just going to say that, you know, because I said the same thing to my sister because the, the exact same thing, yeah. The exact same people happened to my older sister. And I said, like, you know, you've made it when mm-hmm. you're yeah. on fake porn site. Yeah. You're famous now. I know she, she had, she had messaged me two weeks ago when it happened. And I told, I was like, damn it, this sucks. And she had commented on my post today. And I was like, double check. Like I gave her instructions. I was like, double check the Instagram. I, I guarantee you it's not turned down from everything or shut down. Everything from Reddit has told me it takes an obscene amount of people to report it for it to even be taken down. So Which I'm just weird because if you're the, if it's you and you're saying, this isn't me, it's, it's impersonating the, me. Yeah. But the problem Instagram would take it down. The problem is I can't report from my account because they blocked me. So you can't even see it. See, she could see it. She could Maybe still see it. She, no, when, when it happened to her, I think she, what they didn't block her. So maybe they're learning. So they didn't block me at first. And then people started reporting it. And then when I searched for it, I couldn't find it. I was like, okay, maybe it got taken down, but clearly no. I didn't so, so as of yesterday, I had the picture that my dad sent me I had 28 followers. When I logged in under our podcast, I had 32 followers. And then I posted that to tell people to not, so let's see, am I still under our Oh, I'm under Penny and Lucy. So hold on. Let's see. Nikki. I'm looking too. 
Oh no, it's it's there. Oh my, we're following it. Yeah, I followed All it. I thought. Oh, you I did. did follow yeah, it because I wanted to keep keep on it. Um, I lost yeah, two you followers. Have, you have thirty followers. So two people unfollowed it last night based on my post. I mean, I'll report it. <laughs> live I'm reporting it report account (laughs) yeah so it's it's going to be there so don't click the link if anybody gets a friend request well so you can go on to go through unlikely to apologize and you can go who is this account pretending to be you can say me I did that you did yeah it still doesn't do anything it's literally going to be there forever I'm afraid so because of this I have now made my Instagram private so when I say reach out to me on Instagram, guys, you're going to have to reach out to me. I'm unlikely to apologize unless we're already. Friends. Yeah, I might make mine private too. That's really creepy. Have you yeah. looked? Can you look and see if I'm on? I mean, I don't think that I am. I but... mean, I wouldn't even know. So they basically just take your name. And just like change it one little bit. So that's been fun. That's so creepy. Yep. But I'm famous now, so <laughs> that's really creepy. It's very, I mean, it's the internet. I mean, I could, I didn't freak out because like I, you know, there's nothing you can do to. about it. No. And I mean, I even tried Googling like Nikki cams and, and the only thing that comes up is like our podcast, the podcast, the baby F podcast. Cause I was on that. So like, that's, that's the only thing that really comes up for my name. Um, but you can't Google that website. Cause I tried Googling it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's really no way for me to get it taken down. Oh, I made mine private too. Yeah. Message us on our. Yeah. Sorry guys. I mean, it didn't happen to me yet, but it happened to my sister and like, I guess it's, I mean. We'll figure it out. Well, so we, we will no longer be inviting sliding into our personal DMS (laughs) have to go to our page. Yeah. That stinks. Yeah. I mean, it is, like I said, it is what it is. It's the internet. It happens. So long right. as it's not like my credit or my bank accounts, I'm happy. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I mean, honestly, anybody can take any picture anywhere. I mean, we post pictures on our, of us on our, unlike mm-hmm. the two. I mean, it, it, yeah. there's nothing it could be anyway. about it. It's called catfishing. Like people do it all the time. They use other people's yeah. pictures. Like it's a, it's an actual thing. So here we are. So that is my drama. Also, I have my in-laws. I wonder how much weekend. money they've made off of people wanting to know. see your ass though. I would love I know. to know. That's what John was like. If anybody's let you know that they've, what did he say? If he's like, I would like to know which of those followers have actually paid for things. I'm like, it's not like I can tell. It's not like people are going to outright. I go. know, but I'm wondering how popular is your ass? I know. And how many people actually believe it's my ass? Like, well, but I'm talking like strangers though. Like, yeah, people are dumb. Well, so, I'd, I'd be flattered. People want to pay money I, to see your ass. There you go. There you They're go. not getting it, but be flattered. <laughs> um, yeah. And other than that, I had my in-laws in town for the weekend. My friend Evan was in town for the weekend. So we were busy. Um, and that's like pretty much it. Oh, I, uh, coming down from my episode, I got a lot of feedback from it. Um, Yay. So that was kind of very heartwarming. Um, still can't believe like, I was like telling people, when I was talking about it, I was like sitting down with you and talking about it. I never realized exactly how much it was a and lot. I've, 
and I forgot a lot. Like there's a lot I didn't even like talk about. No, you've about. been texting me since and saying like, I forgot this. I forgot this. Like, yeah. like there's so many other things that I, that I didn't get, but it's fine. I, I got the point across, I hope. So um, I did that. Really that was good. So I'm happy. And I was overwhelmed with the feedback. So thanks to everybody who listened. And this week we have <gasps> the beautiful and amazing Jacqueline Vargas or Jackie Vargas. So I know Jackie um, from Waterbury. She is actually very good friends with one of my best friends. And we've met through just different social circles. And I was always in such awe of what she was doing. So asking her to be on, she was one of the first people I think we asked to be on. Yeah, we, we actually interviewed her a long time ago. Right. So, I mean, kudos to us to having so many interviews. <laughs> I know we're backed up, <laughs> but yeah, she is absolutely amazing. And the, what she's giving back to her community based on her own personal, you know, situations or, or, or you know, growing up situations and what she's been through is absolutely made amazing. Her story is just, and the things that she was doing, um, she blew me away and like listening to, it, I listened to it again yesterday to refresh myself on it. And I listened to it again this morning. And every time I listen to it, I just am thinking to myself, she is just an incredible human. She's, yeah, I mean, she's, she just, from what she's done professionally, um, to her own journey and her own story of things she's been through personally, Mm -hmm. just, and her outlook on life, she just remains so positive and her, um, her vibe is just contagious. She's yeah. She's got a very contagious personality and you can't help but smile when you talk to her. Um, Just, I mean, I think I said it in the episode, but I could listen to her talk forever. mm -hmm. Like I just wanted to listen to her speak because she just, she speaks so well about, you could tell she's passionate about what she's speaking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it, it's one of my favorite episodes. I think she's just phenomenal. Yeah. She's uh, one of my favorite things that she does is she talks about like the slut movement. I love how she's teaching like young girls that it's okay to be okay in your body and, you know, understanding what it is that you want and, and believing, you know, what you're worthy of. It's, it's just very empowering to see that there's somebody out there that is teaching girls, young girls. Well, she's being realistic in what right. she's teaching, right? Like there's, it's not realistic to have certain ideals anymore with the world we live in Mm -hmm. um girls boys I mean we're just sexualized very young Mm -hmm. um and like if you look at like the popular icons it's just everything screams Mm -hmm. that and And so I just yeah she's kind of creating this safe space where they have somebody to talk to about it. Right. You know, we think, I think back when I was a teenager and having those moments where, uh, you know, I, this term slut shamed, right. Comes up. I really wish I had somebody like her or a program or something that just said, Hey, you know, this is because of this, or you can be comfortable in your skin and you don't have to. And then also turning it around and teaching young women what the abuse side of that is. Right. Because a lot of that, she worked with, in Connecticut, she worked with, um, with teens who had come from, you know, trafficking abuse, like that kind of thing. She worked directly with them. And so to, to have the experience that she has with the work she's done to be able to come at it in a very professional way, right. I think is something that is it's, it's needed. Um, and I just feel like 
people don't teach kids certain things because we don't want them to engage in certain activities, but it's like, they're going to do it or they're not going to do it. Exactly. It's also the uncomfortable. It's also the uncomfortable part of it, right? I think a lot of the older generations or our generations, because we were raised with certain ideas, right? We yeah. become uncomfortable with it. My parents were uncomfortable having those conversations. So at, like you said, coming right. at it from a professional standpoint and, you know, trying to get, and she even talks about how she's, she works with young, she worked with young boys and young men as well and letting them know because they also can be part of abusive relationships. And one of the mm-hmm. terms, you know, we talked about it briefly is like diff- different tox, toxic, toxic, toxicity (laughs) in your life and just bringing awareness to it at such a young age, I think is beneficial for everyone involved. right? Right. Well, and she also talks about abuse and just because something is not physical and you don't have bruises physically doesn't mean you're not being abused mentally or emotionally. And she talks about her own relationship that she got out of that was an abusive relationship. It wasn't a physically abusive relationship, but she was still in an abusive relationship. And so I think that it's also important to explain that aspect of it too, because young people may not understand that they're in an abusive relationship because there's, they're not being physically hurt. Right. Like I look back at like your first, like my first love or whatever. And I remember like certain things about it, like telling me I had to order a salad at dinner or telling me what I had to wear and looking back at it now, I'm like, who, why would I let some but that's abuse, right? Right. That's a form yeah. of abuse. But as a young woman, you don't, you don't know that. Know. No, and if somebody young tried men to tell can me. be abused as well. Exactly. And if somebody told me that in my adult life, I take that salad and I'd shove it up their ass. I'm just saying. Well, like <laughs> But that's why I think it's so important to to teach the youth and the teens. Yep. Because it's it's easy to be like, well, now I'm an adult and now I know better. But at 14, 15, 16, 17, you don't, you don't know better. Early 20s, you don't know better. No. And I mean, there are some women out there in their adult life right now who don't know that they're in those types of relationships because it's just, you hear those excuses. Oh, it's just, it's just this, or he was, you know, he had a bad day or, you know, to go, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but Jackie even says like, I think it was her mother that said to her, like, well, what did you do? Mm-hmm. And we are constant. I actually just shared on Facebook when I was in Vegas and, um, it was comedian. God, what was his name? And he was talking about the Kanye and Kim Kardashian situation. Oh. And there was a quote from that video and I quoted it and I, I'm going to find it to read it because this is, this is the society that we do live in when it comes to abusive relationships. And we talk about it. We're always to a sense of victim shaming. What did you do or what could have you done to prevent it? Like, no, I have been saying for months now with that situation, I have been saying that he he's abusing her publicly and nobody's doing anything about it. Right. And if anybody is, if anybody wants to see what video I'm talking about, I can share the link. But the quote was, we live in a world where women are being questioned questioned about what is happening to them instead of what is happening, um, instead of what is happening to them. So we're questioning it about it right? instead of what's actually happening. No, the things, he, and he's deleted all of his posts, but I've read them. And no. I mean, it it's, it's scary. The, the comments that get put under the things that are being said, because I'm thinking to myself, like this man is abusing her emotionally and verbally, and you are like condoning it. Yeah. 
and it it's scary and he even says something and it's trevor god i can't think of his name um he even says it, and he came from a, a a a relationship not him himself but his mom was abused and he was saying that if kim kardashian can't escape it how can normal women escape it we're all he sitting a here house across the street from her right and we're all sitting here watching this unfold because it's kim kardashian Lovely right? Publicly. And we're all sitting here and nobody's doing anything. And he even, another thing that he says that that's, that like gave me goosebumps is is to that fact, we're sitting here watching this publicly. Nobody is, is calling out her for help. And it's going to come to a point where it's too late. And then it's going to be like, oh, we saw this. We probably should, we probably should have done something about it. Well, but what it's also doing is it's showing abusers that you can get away with it if, right. because right, he's not physically hurting her No, and he doesn't have to, because he has a large enough following that somebody will do it for him. Right. And that's the scary part. And it's just, it's another way to bring a awareness to that, you know, emotional mental abuse. And here's somebody who's very much a public figure, very much living an adult, adult woman, just living through it. And nobody is, and nobody is going, okay, there's some like we need to we need to do something with him and uh, uh the, the comedian is trevor noah um for yeah, those who are looking at yeah it's it's a really powerful video um and it just it like for me it was just like yeah that's what we do we question what did you do or could you have you know did you need to you be know, in I know way? That we've we've talked in the past about like you know women's health being something that's taught in school but i also feel like this should be something that's taught in school. And I think that's why, like, where do you go? What exactly is abuse? How do you get out of it? Like, and I think there are life lessons that we don't learn as young humans Mm -hmm. that we should. Yep. And I think that's why what Jackie's doing is so amazing because she's filling that void and she's giving this opening and she's doing, there's other programs she's doing. I know we're just focusing on this one because this is the one that meant that not that it, I don't want to say Matt because I don't have any personal experience with it, but it, I do feel passionately about it. I don't believe that, you know, I do believe that nobody has the right to put their hands on you. Your body is your body. On, I do have the, I do believe in the right that women should feel safe in their relationships and not have to you know, be victim shamed if something happens. So I, if we ever get in the topic of abuse, I have a lot to say. <laughs> I mean, I've never been abused either as well. Um, I mean, I have one relationship that, that comes to mind that screams you were I yeah. mean, not physically, um, but definitely mentally and emotionally. Yeah, um, and I was, I mean, I was young. I mean, 18, 19, Yep. Same. I can, I can think of two relationships I was in where I looking back at it now can consider them emotionally and mentally abusive. Right. And so I've never been in like a physical, um, there was one, one altercation where it was a little bit physical. Um, and that was the end of it for me, but just to, to know that maybe you're not alone in it. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I also, I too feel very passionately about it. And I feel like our youth is struggling with, with things. And I feel like the, the focus on certain, certain things that are being focused on is the wrong focus. Um, and that there are so many important things that are missing our youth. Right. And it, it's sad to see, um, it, 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 it's it, things that could have benefited us when we were small mm-hmm. and <clears throat> right. And it goes again, I always talk about where you and I have had multiple conversations about, you know, sex ed and what we teach our kids. And this falls into that teaching relationships, 
and you know, healthy relationships, healthy and relationships and boundaries and understanding toxic relationships. And that's another thing that we briefly talked about with hers, you know, toxic relationships, you know, can be anybody. It doesn't have to be a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend. It can be a family member. It can be a friend, you know, it can be the relationship that you have with yourself, like your exactly. own relationship. Like I, I was re-listening to Jackie and I wrote down, cause at the very end, she talks about toxic relationships and she says, um, what are my toxic traits? And she tells us what her two toxic traits are. And I actually wrote that question down. Like, what are my toxic traits to start thinking like, wow, like we all have them. Oh yeah. We're all capable. Our mind, like, and you know, I, I could list a few things that I do, you know, that habits traits that I'm trying to kind of steer away from, um, that could be considered toxic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, I have them. I know I have them and I'll I mean, we first. all have them, but yeah. it's, it's, and I think she even addresses, like, it's a matter of like having them and like what you're willing to do. Right. It's a, it's a self-awareness. It's a, right. yeah. It's self-awareness. Like I'm well aware of what mine are and I am open and honest about them for the most part, but yeah, we, some people don't realize, you know, having them with themselves and having them with say, you know, family members. Like I'm a very big, right. One of the things that I say all the time that is a toxic relationship is a toxic relationship, regardless of who of the person who the is. The dynamic is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I also like, I feel, I, yeah, I feel like it's the self awareness of like my own toxic relationship with myself. Yep. And it's just, and I, I feel like I'm really coming into that kind of self awareness because of like the work that I'm trying to do right now to live a better life. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that stuff is just very prevalent to me and I'm noticing it. more so that I can fix it. Right. And we'll actually get into this next week, next week. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's a good segue. I think we had a long chat (laughs) to get us into this episode. So, um, again, there's so many good things that she, you guys are going to love it. And when you do leave us a review on iTunes, rate us so that other people can find us and don't come at us on our personal um, <laughs> Instagrams because we're private now. We're private now, but you can find us at unlikely to apologize podcast, podcast on Instagram. You can also email us at hello at unlikely to apologize.com. I promise one of these days I'm going to get it like perfectly. <laughs> and that being said, um, again, we are always looking for women to share their stories. So if you know anybody that has been through something, is working through something, has, you know, maybe in the process of dealing with something and doesn't know where to begin and just wants to kind of share what they're going through. Send them our way. We'll, we love talking to all different stages of this healing process. So on that note, enjoy the episode and we'll talk soon. Bye everyone. Hey Jackie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me today. We're so excited to get to know all about you and your journey and all the things that you've created out of it. Um, just take a few minutes to kind of introduce yourself to the group. Okay. So my name is Jacqueline, but I love to be called Jackie. Jacqueline just is that childhood trauma of me getting in trouble. So we stick with the nicknames, Jackie or Jack. Um, so where do I even begin? Like my journey has been it's been an interesting journey. You know, I grew up in the Bronx. Um, I'm a first generation daughter to the United States. 
um, parents immigrants. I grew up in the hood. Um, of course, your teenage years is that time where you're testing waters and testing boundaries. And that kind of led me to, you know, my parents uprooting me and uprooting our whole entire family landing in Connecticut, where I kind of just spent most of my, um, my teenage years kind of reinventing myself um, and just kind of surrounding myself with um, healthy people. Because in New York, I wasn't really around that kind of environment. Um, let's see, I graduated from Crosby High School. Um, I went off to college to get a degree that is sitting on my mantle collecting dust in fashion design and merchandising, and I've never used it. <laughs> so Sally <laughs> May has me for the rest of my life on a degree that I've never used. Um, and then a couple years later, I kind of went back to school to get my degree in psychology um, and educational psychology and really just supporting our youth through personal traumas. I'm an education on domestic violence and what the slut movement looks like and really helping girls kind of wrap themselves around that your life is not tied to your gender and it's not based on whether you're a slut, whether you're a hoe, where you grew up. Um, and that's just been my passion for majority of my career. And right in the middle of the pandemic, you know, I kind of went through a phase where I'm reevaluating myself as I started doing in my 30s very unhappy, um, feeling like I was stuck in a rut, and I'm like, I need to do something different. Um, I kind of let go of working with kids for right now. You know, we might, we might revisit that later on. Um, and now I work for American Airlines as um, an officer in the diversity and inclusion spaces, you know, creating impact, but in a different way. And I'm in Texas. <laughs> Yeah, I know no one, which is so weird. And Nikki is like literally three and a half hours away from me. Um, right. When so she was uh, when she was first like posting online that she was looking mm -hmm. uh, for Texas, I like messaged her. I was like, "Hey, you got any questions? Because yes. I'm here in Austin." So you were looking at what Dallas, Austin. What was the other Houston. one? Houston. That's right. So Where did you land? Are you in Dallas? I'm in Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. Austin made me feel really poor and <laughs> yes. the humidity and the warnings of these hurricanes. I'm like, I am not an adult enough to handle myself in a crisis. So I, I landed in tornado land because it's what I get up here. <laughs> I love it. Oh man. All right. So we're going to, we're going to take a couple steps back. Cause you said so many great things that we I know you did. To, and it's like, where to start. So let's kind of start with, um, your, you said you were working with youth for a little bit and that was in Connecticut, right? Mm -hmm. And you were doing, I believe it was called becoming her. It was designing their future, designing her future. That's what it was. Apologies. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So uh, designing my future or designing their future honestly was a baby that I gave birth to back in 2013. Um, this movement or this organization was really inspired by the work that I was already doing in public schools and the mentorship that I was able to have working for the Department of Children and Families in Connecticut. It's called DCF. Um, and really just thinking about my own youth and just thinking about what I needed when I was 13, 14, 15 years old. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful that uh, my parents put me in a position where I did have mentors, but my mentors didn't look like me. They didn't mm -hmm. talk like me. They didn't have my same background. So I was already struggling with my identity being a Latin woman, a Latin woman in America, and you don't even know where you fit in, in right. the spectrum, right? Um, you're either too 
you're not American enough to be here, but you're also not Latin enough to be a part of your culture, which was really frustrating. So just really thinking about what I needed as a child and just kind of thinking about, okay, well, something that I struggled with was, of course, my eating disorder. I used drugs as a way to lose weight, which wasn't the healthiest. I used my body to be like, hey, yeah, a boy likes me. I'm going to go down that route. And a lot of girls, you know, they, they go down that route where they think that they have to use themselves to be appreciated or to feel worthy and um, not really having the correct um, guidance for that, you know? And again, it doesn't, your home life doesn't have to be a mess for, for girls to go down this path. I mean, my home life was very stable, loving parents, but I had other ideas for how I wanted to live my teen years. So then just like really putting together a focus group of, of young girls, you know, a lot of the girls that I've worked with were all victims of human trafficking of some form, um, whether oh they were trafficked by their parents, trafficked by foster parents, trafficked by, you know, a boyfriend or a husband, um, their stories were just very impactful. And what I've learned from working with these girls and with these older women is that their confidence is gone right? Their confidence is gone, especially when we live in a society where men make us feel like we're nothing without them, right? right? So just thinking about how do we create spaces to where you can feel empowered by yourself, right? How do you feel, how do we create these spaces to, to kind of heal from that trauma? And again, and I say all this because in 2013, right when I started this organization, I was going through my own transition of my own trauma. Um, when people look at me or when people get to know me, they don't ever think that I was in an abusive relationship, right? Um, I've been in an abusive relationship since 2009. So that was what my sophomore year or my freshman year in college. And I never left, you know, I stayed until I was like 27. And while I'm over here, telling everybody, yeah, I'm doing this personal trauma program for girls and helping them identify themselves. I was terrified to go home and nobody knew about that, you know? And it wasn't until, um, it really wasn't until 2015, that November, I waited for him to leave that I called my brother. I called my, well, his girlfriend at the time. And I said, he's gone. And we have five hours to pack up what I can get so I can leave. And I never, ever looked back. And even just thinking about, you know, the positions that I put myself and just thinking about the kind of programs and workshops I was putting together, I felt like a hypocrite. I, I truly, truly did. Like, how, how can I, how could I see myself as a role model, right? Because that's a lot, that's a word that a lot of people used a lot was, you're such a role model, you're this and you're that. And I felt guilty because I'm like, I'm not. Because if you knew me outside of work, you would know that my entire life is like falling apart, right? Um, so I had to walk the talk. You know, I can't consider myself a role model. I can't consider myself a mentor to these girls who are going through these same things if I'm not taking action for myself. If I'm telling you to leave, I have to tell myself I need to leave too. <laughs> right. Um, Did you, yeah. so I'm sure it was kind of like this, like, contorted feeling in a sense right because you're telling these girls all this advice to take care of themselves and at the same time you're like not listening to your own right. advice right. um did you find did you find any person that you were able to be open about with all this stuff or was this all very much internal this was very much internal it was hard and the reason why i say it's hard and i literally was just having this conversation with a girlfriend of mine early this morning is 
when we think about domestic violence, we only think about one aspect of domestic violence, right? And we only think about if there's not a bruise, then it's not a then it's not abuse, right? right. We all have this mentality, men, women, men, whoever. My abuse was more emotional. It was more mental. So it was more of like the name calling, the, the fat shaming, the, um, you know, I did miscarry in our relationship and that was my fault. It was because I was too fat. That's why I miscarried. I was working too much is why I miscarried. My business was a distraction, which is why I miscarried. And that had nothing to do with that. It was the first time. And it was, I didn't think it was a big deal. My body just didn't want it. And he, he took it to a whole nother level. You know, it was more of, um, you need to be at home by this time, or I'm not sexually attracted to you anymore, or the cheating and all those things. So, you know, after a while, because I worried so much about my reputation, you know, in such a small community, I worried what will happen if I start talking about oh, my fiance is cheating. Oh, like he's fat shaming me. Oh, he just called me a bitch. And oh, he just threatened me. And the first time and the last time that I was completely honest um, about what was going on in the house, I talked about this with one of my girlfriends and her response was, well, what are you doing to make him mad? Jack, why don't you just surrender to what he's asking you to do? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. And I think that that was the first and last time that I ever trusted someone with that part of me. So I just had to deal with it and handle it by myself. So while I was delivering curriculum and I was teaching these girls, I was also trying to navigate how am I going to get out of this at the same time? Um, so Designing Their Future, yes, was a program for these young ladies, but it was also my way to build my escape plan for the next phase of my life. So, wow, that was, uh, <laughs> I know <laughs> that was in an incredible thing that you shared. Um, and I just, I'm wondering for anybody who might be listening, who's, who's kind of in a similar situation, Mm-hmm. what was was there any one thing that led you to being like I'm leaving today or was it just like you finally were like I've had enough and I'm leaving absolutely so I will never forget this day and I'm getting goosebumps like you guys can't see I it. just got goosebumps <laughs> <laughs> um I had enough on November 12th of 2015 when I was getting ready for work I was working for Girl Scouts at this point and I, we just moved into a condo, you know, you know, cause I just didn't want to argue anymore. So I decided to leave Seymour, move back to Waterbury. We bought a house or a condo and it was November 12th and it was 7am, you know, he's a teacher. So he had to go off to Bridgeport and I was getting ready for work. We just moved in. We got a washer. We got a dryer. I bought an ironing board. That's what the fight was about. An ironing board. <laughs> we got new furniture and I said, Hey, you know, I'm coming out of the shower, wrapped up in a towel. And I'm like, hey, why are you on the couch ironing your slacks? I just bought an ironing board. I don't want you to get the new couch a stain. I took yeah. it out, I unfolded it, and I went back to my room to start getting ready. And, whew. <laughs> and then from there, he followed me into the bedroom and he spin me around and he called me you fucking bitch, stop telling me what to do. 
he was like, I fucking hate you. I fucking hate your guts. I don't even know why the fuck I'm with you. You're fat. You're ugly. And at this point, I'm moving. I'm like walking backwards and I fell into the closet. And he literally has his fist ready to hit me. And he's never really put his hands on me um, in terms to hit me. But I was afraid. Like, this man was bigger than me. He is stronger than me. And he was just like, I just fucking hate you. And he said it was so much passion, but it also wasn't the last time that he told me that he hated me. And at this point in our engagement, we were five months away from getting married. The invitations were sent, a dress was bought, venue was purchased, and I didn't react. I think that was the first time ever that I didn't react. Usually I'm crying. Usually I'm just running to the second bedroom. Usually I'm always doing something to, to... to react to what he's saying to me. And I think in that moment, I was just numb. When he left, I called my friend Talisha and I'm just like, girl, like, this is it. Like, I can't, I can't do this. I don't wanna get married. I, I, just, I just don't know what to do. Um, I called out of work. I told him that I had an emergency and that's when I called my brother and said, like, I need you to come. We got a U-Haul truck and I packed what I could and I just left. I think that in that moment, the final time he told me how much he hated me was enough to say, I cannot spend the rest of my life in this relationship. And it was hard because I grew up in a household where divorce is not an option, right? So having these conversations with my parents and even with my mom, who I thought would have been more understanding, but because she was so infatuated with the idea of, my daughter's getting married, you know, she's 26, I'm going to have a, a son-in-law, and she was in love with him, you know, they had a really great relationship, and even with her, when I told her, yeah, I left, she was just like, well, what did you do? I'm like, what do you mean what I did? <laughs> right? I guess, did you hear that a lot, working with other women coming out of these relationships? Like, is that something that you hear a lot where they're, they're kind of blamed, where they're, they're told, like, what did you do? How did, why did you provoke him? Or what did you do? Is that, is that a common thing that people say? Honestly, I've never heard it physically out of the group of women that I surrounded myself with. I heard it a lot on TV, you know, Lifetime (laughs) movies, epic for, for having (laughs) those moments, you know, like Lifetime TV, like reality shows is always like, honey, well, what did you do to make him upset? Or maybe you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't dress like that. Or maybe you shouldn't act this way. And I'm like, I can act and dress however I want, right. you know? Um, I mean, and this is the same thing with, with, with the men too, you know, because this is not just about, you know, something that I did on my platform wasn't constantly talking about how women are abused, but I always, there's always a side of young men that I always take to the side to talk about, you can be manipulated and you can also be abused too. So how right. are you having those conversations? But yeah, a lot of that, you know, what did you do was more coming from, TV. So hearing it for the first time from that one friend that I trusted and then hearing it again from my own parent, I'm just like, we're, we're not talking. (laughs) And it, it and it really did ruin our relationship because I think, mind you, this happened in 2015 and we're in 2021. And right now I'm still in the process of rebuilding that relationship with my mom, because I just don't trust her. I don't trust her with my personal life at all. That's a really brave thing, I think, for you to say and admit, because a lot of people are too scared 
especially coming out of the situation that you came out of, right? A lot of people are too scared to kind of, mm-hmm. right, essentially be a strong woman and be like, I don't need this. I'm moving on. And if you're not going to support me, then I don't need you either. So I just commend you for, I mean, I wouldn't have had the strength to be able to, to come through like you did and just take what you've done and, and using it to help people and recognizing, you know, helping people and what it's in your own life. I'm just, I think you're incredibly strong and brave and that's amazing. It's, it's so to hear you say that and just understanding, like, I think a lot of people forget too, that you can set boundaries with your family, right? It doesn't have to be a friend that's toxic. It doesn't have to be a spouse that's toxic. Your own family, your, your, your mom, your dad, your, your sister, your brother, like it to, it's almost more ignored, right? When it's family, you give them benefit. Oh, it's just my mother or that's just my father. And I think we are all starting and I'm learning this also in my personal life. There are just things I don't want. I don't want to deal with anymore. And I have no problem saying I'm not talking to you anymore. Um, I recently kind of had a similar situation with, with, you know, my mom, where I had to set a boundary. I'm like, I'm not having these conversations with you anymore. And I've, it, you start navigating it to the point, like you said, you don't talk about your personal life anymore, but we can have the, the, how you doing type thing, um, go on, but that's also a, a strong thing. And I think something that a lot of people need to hear more often that it does not matter what role that person plays in your life. If there's a boundary, they are crossing, right. they making you second guess any of your decisions. It does not matter who they are and set your boundaries. And that no, I agree with absolutely yeah. amazing, Jackie, like good for you. I'm like, I want to like clap. <laughs> I know that's like I said, I wouldn't have been strong enough to have done. I mean, I think leaving in its own, right. Like, uh, cause I would have been like the, the dresses bought the venues, like we're getting married. Like, so to, to recognize that I need to get out of this regardless of anything else right. is just incredibly, it's just an incredibly brave thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it was, I had to make a choice. It was either him or I, (laughs) and I'm young. I was 26 (laughs) at the time or 27. I was just like, I am not doing this, you know? So like, I, it it was a choice. It was either him and I, him or I, but I would tell you though, that I think that my, you would think though, because I remember saying this to my therapist, I think it was like three years into therapy because, oh man, the amount (laughs) of money I spent in therapy (laughs) Um, it is so crazy, but I, I think I remember, um, oh my gosh, that I have made a comment about, um, ah, what was that comment? It's like at the tip of my tongue. Happens to me all the time. (laughs) I think it might come back to me. Okay. Next question. (laughs) Okay. So so you, you, this, this was a program that you did in Connecticut designing their future. Mm -hmm. What was the next? So you kind of didn't, you moved on from that. Mm -hmm. What was the next one? Is that where becoming her came into play? Yes. So after, so after I left, I feel, oh, I remember what I was going to say. So the trauma and everything that happened, you would think that everything was falling apart during that time that I was in that relationship, right? In those six, in those six years that I was in that relationship. But the struggle to not want to drink and the struggle to kind of repair my life and to relive that trauma really happened from the time I left until current. Because wow. that relationship has really... 
it's done its number. <laughs> it has definitely created a whole nother solution. I mean, a whole situation in my, in my life as I moved along. But yes, after I left, I was still working on designing your future. And of course, the, um, the outlook of the program, it really did change for it to not be so heavy because I think emotionally, I couldn't handle talking to another group of young girls about you know, what to look out for in a relationship because now I'm in this limbo and I'm starting all over with $500 in my savings account because he wouldn't give me my money back from what I put down on the condo. I literally had to start over in a, in a house. Okay. And I, and I thank God for my best friend, like forever, honestly, she's like my, my twin flame because she had me move in with her and her three kids and her husband. Okay. And Destiny had to give up her room. This five-year-old had to give up her room so that I can move in and just start over, you know? And I was going to ask if you would go into more detail, I guess, about how you kind of did start over. Yeah. Um, so when we left after I had, um, after we went to, to U-Haul, kind of threw everything in storage, you know, my best friend, Emily, you know, shout out to Emily Tedesco. <laughs> my best friend, Emily was definitely one, you know, she was definitely ashamed because she was just like, I don't know why you didn't say anything. And she was just like, you know, I hated him. You know, she was all about that. <laughs> she was about, she wanted to ruin his life. Um, but this is why I didn't tell her because I'm like, you will be in jail and your kids will be, will be motherless. Um, but yeah, so Emily was the one that was, that said, you know, you don't have the funds right now. You don't want to move back in with your mom. And again, because I, that trust is broken with her. I didn't even tell her where I moved. All she knew was that I left. She didn't know where I was and I was in Waterbury. Um, and she didn't know who I was staying with. And I just, I didn't pay rent. You know, I just worked. I continued to work, but working was hard. Um, I think I called out of work every day for like a month until I had to tell my boss and say, my whole life was falling apart, you know? Um, and I was drinking, I was drinking a lot to the point where, um, you know, Emily had once told me that I had to leave her house, but I couldn't have my keys. I couldn't have my car keys. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? She was just like, you're drinking. It's out of control. She was just like, you need to get out of your bedroom. Like, this is not how you start over. And I think I was already five months into living with her. She was just like, you can't be here, but you, I, you can't drive either. So she took my keys and I'm just like, well, here I am sitting in my car in the, in the middle of winter. And I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing with myself? Like, what is happening? Um, and I think in that point too, I think that that's when I started thinking about, I need to go into therapy and therapy, again, just thinking culturally is not something that is accepted, right? If you go to therapy, you're just crazy or you're just insane. Um, and again, because I wasn't talking to anybody, nobody knew my situation. I invested in going into therapy. I did therapy maybe like twice a week. And I think that with my therapist, she then told me, hey, I think it's time for you to go to a safe haven and I need you to do group therapy with other survivors. In my mind, I'm just like, but I'm not a victim and it wasn't this type of abuse. And you know, it, even me, again, I started this conversation earlier. We're talking about that nobody sees abu emotional abuse as abuse. And I didn't look at myself as a victim, right? Or a survivor. I didn't look at myself in either way. When she, my therapist actually took the time, she went with me to this group session. And when I was hearing the stories of these other women, I'm just like, 
fuck. (laughs) So this is what this is. And this is what it feels like. And it was hard from, it was hard for the therapist in that group session to really connect with me because I was so closed off because I did feel ashamed. And again, just thinking about my reputation and just thinking about, you know, what I do do in the community, I just didn't want people to know, but it wasn't about, about people finding out, but how was I healing and overcoming it, you know? And then that's when the birth of becoming her started, you know, like I moved on, you know, I moved out of her, I moved out of my friend's house. I graduated to another level of, of therapy. Um, and I started, you know, and I really started sharing my story with other women in the group, which made me feel more confident. Um, and I think that in that moment, I was just inspired by this idea of who am I going to be next? You know, my whole life, I was this quiet mouse. I was a best friend. I was a daughter, a sister, um, a social worker, a teacher, an educator, but I'm like, there's so much more to me than all those things, you know? Um, and I think that that, that leaving that relationship also set what the next three years kind of looked like because um, when you talked about boundaries, I think I, that's when I started kind of looking at that word boundaries and really thinking about what that means, you know, like not only did I lose him in that, in that relationship, but I also lost everybody else that came with him because now I understood what toxic behaviors look like, you know? Um, And when I talked about how, you know, the trauma that happened between 2015 and until current, you know, I did jump Um, I want to say maybe two years later into a very fast relationship Um, and a relationship after that one, after that one ended and really just noticing that I was not in the space to, to be with anybody. Um, I think I wanted to be in a relationship because then I found out that he was in a relationship. He moved on, he had a kid and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to be in one too. Right. Then it's not a race. Right. Um, And then I started noticing, especially in my last relationship, I started noticing how toxic I was becoming because now I was in a space where I didn't care if he hurt me or if anybody hurt me, because now I'm in the space where I want to hurt you now. You know, like I'm in a space of kind of letting go of all my toxic behaviors, almost like a, like a Pandora's box and letting evil Jackie just kind of run around terrorizing men's lives. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that, I mean, that's just, that's just where I'm at. (laughs) All transparency. Oh, I love it. I love love that. That's that's so great. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I just don't think that nobody ever thinks about that. Like nobody ever thinks about what happens afterwards. I mean, you're constantly second guessing yourself. You're overthinking. You're constantly asking yourself, are you enough? Is this enough? Are you doing enough? And it doesn't even come out in your relationships anymore. They now come out at work. You know, like I love my job, you know, like this is the first time in a long time where I'm leading a lot of amazing things but I'm also finding myself contradicting myself, second guessing myself, because I don't want that voice, you know, that voice, his voice is still in the back of my mind saying, you're stupid, you're right. dumb, you can't do this. You know, so those things, they still affect me, but not as greatly as they did between 2015 and 2017. Wow. Yeah. Insecurities, man, they can, they're there. I, I, I'll yeah. sit here and toot my own horn and tell you, I am like a boss ass bitch. Nothing could bring me down, but I get in those moments where I'm just like, 
and then I'll, I'll, I'll come down from him. Like, why are you even, my manager will say this, he goes, why are you even second guessing yourself? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. It's just this little moments. A part of me is like, it's my dad going, did you do that? Right. Did you do that? Right. Like <laughs> constantly just thinking about it, but they do, they take over. And when they start taking over every aspect of your life, it's almost hard yeah. to move forward in a sense, because that part's keeping you back because you're afraid to do a little bit more. You're afraid to change something that you originally thought. If I make a mis- if I come up with an idea and I want to change it, I have so much resistance to changing it because I'm like, but what if it was right the first time? Like it's kind of, it kind of holds you back in that. And, and it's, it's so, it's so welcoming to hear that. I'm not the only one in this that's going to that those has those moments, excuse me, mm-hmm. but we have to listen to our first instinct. I'm, I'm very much, starting to learn that my first idea is always the right idea. Of course, there's room to for it to evolve or change, but the first idea is usually the best one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so you started working on Becoming Her. Um, you moved to Dallas. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that. So as you were becoming her, which is essentially becoming you, <laughs> um, and you made the, the, the choice to you know pack your bags and leave, let's talk a little bit about that. Did you make that decision because you wanted a fresh start and just kind of like let it all go? You finally got to a point where you're like, all right, I'm ready. I can break free and I, I need to do this on my own. Yeah, so with when I started becoming her and just kind of seeing how becoming her kind of evolved, throughout the years um because again like becoming her I wanted again social media started becoming big at that time I think Instagram started popping off and I don't know what Facebook was doing but they were popular <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Facebook is trying to get popular again I'm not sure uh, but yeah so you know with having social media as that platform and I, I mean it's so embarrassing to even look at the things that I posted like 10 years ago I'm like girl Oh God, I, I, I love those memories come up and you're like, who was I? Exactly. Exactly. So I, and, and again, like that inspires so much of the platform that I'm, that I am creating on social media. You know, there's so much happening on social media where we are constantly, you know, seeing our insecurities play out with us comparing ourselves to our friends or models that we've never, ever met or comparing ourselves to other people's accomplishments. And I'm like, No, I want Becoming Her to be a platform where I want you to see all my pretty, okay? (laughs) I want you to see how I celebrate, but I also want you to see how I'm constantly falling apart. And that sometimes falling apart means that it doesn't mean I don't have a support system in place. I wanted this social media platform to kind of capture the highs, the lows, the uglies, especially because Becoming Her is more of you know, evolving into the different, the different versions of yourself and being authentic with your audience. And that was like the biggest thing for me. So again, just going back to what I had mentioned earlier about, you know, being a role model to all these teenagers. Now I was, you know, kind of reevaluating, you know, when I think about my followers, like when I get those messages of, oh my God, your message inspired me today, or, oh my gosh, can you talk about this? Or can you, can you highlight this? Or can you give me advice on that? And again, my life is just, it's just kind of falling apart all over again. Like I was at a high and now I'm back to this low where I'm just like, I feel so stuck. I feel suffocated. Um, And I always say too, like Connecticut was the place that broke me. Right. And you can't grow in a place that's, that broke you. It's a constant reminder of 
the abuse and the trauma. I feel like I can never step foot in Seymour. I feel like I can never go into Bridgeport because those are the those are his places. And then and then again with the with the behave with the toxic friendships that I've had, I felt like I can never go into New Haven or I couldn't never go into somewhere else. So for me, it was just like I just don't fit here because I can't grow here. So I had to leave. And I think that the pandemic was really the start of that. You know, the pandemic was well, what are we doing? We're jobless because I lost my job because of the pandemic, you oh know, um, numbers were really low with, um, program, um, program, in, um, enrollment. Um, and again, at that point I was also kind of reevaluating, do I want to continue working with kids or do I kind of want to move in a different direction, you know? Right. Um, and I think that in that moment, I want to say five months before deciding to come to Dallas, I was just like to my family and I'm just like, so I'm leaving. This was in October. I made a I made a trip to 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 Dallas to got to get an apartment. I signed my lease. I came back and I'm like, so I'm leaving. The question was, well, why? Yeah, and that's the thing too. Before in 2015, I wanted to leave. I wanted to go to California, but I think I was I was leaving because I wanted to escape what happened, right? Mm -hmm. Because I felt embarrassed, you know, having to cancel a wedding and all this other stuff and starting over. And I think now when I left, when I wanted to leave the second time, people were just like, oh, you're just saying that, like, who you, who you got out there? You got nobody. You're just going to come back home. And I'm just like, no, like, I really feel it in my gut. Like, I really, I really just need to leave. Um, I packed my bags, my dog, and it took us three days. I left right after Christmas and I just kind of landed here in McKinney, somewhere in Dallas. <laughs> you're like, I'm here somewhere. I'm here somewhere in Dallas. It's, okay. it's completely different um, than what I'm used to, but I love it. And I think that ever since stepping foot here, um, I feel like I've I've evolved. You know, I feel like I'm I'm learning to take care of my toxic behaviors. I'm learning how to have healthier relationships. I'm learning how to say no to things. I'm learning how to create boundaries. Um, and I truly feel that my, I just made a year in December being here. Wow. Yeah. It's so crazy to think about like, Oh my God, a year ago. Left. <laughs> um, amazing though. yeah, but I really consider that, that year that I left my rehab year, mm-hmm. you know, like I really consider that my, my rehab year. So you moved you moved to, to Dallas. Were there other things you had mentioned? So I know you did, you did therapy and you moved. So we're actually, it's, it's really interesting to hear you say that because we have talked to several other women. Um, and every one of them has a similar kind of theme about they've had this trauma and they couldn't really heal or start to heal until they quit their job or moved. Mm-hmm. And so to hear you say like, my, you can't grow in the place that broke you. I wrote that down because I just, that is such a beautiful quote and I love it. And I'm, I'm finding so many women are feeling that they've not, so you were talking about how you were rooted in your faith. Yep. So Catholic. Okay. Yep. So I was rooted in my faith growing up and you know, life happens. You're just kind of like, I'm done with the church, yada, yada, yada. And I think that, you know, when all of this was just kind of taking place again, like I've been so disconnected from my faith that I always thank God 
right, for him giving me the courage to leave back in 2015. So when I, when I was uprooted and moved over here, I'm just like, okay, what next? Like, what am I doing? You know, from there, I, I found a church family. I started studying the Bible and I, you know, I became baptized and I, and I started rebuilding myself in my faith, you know? Um, so I do identify as, you know, being Christian, but also how am I healing through the word of God? Right. And I found that that has been, that has been like my therapy, especially in the chapters of like Corinthians and like Hebrews, where it talks about um, healing, or if anybody has ever read the book of Job and Job just talks about this desperation, this sadness, this depression that he's just kind of going through. And I'm like, dang, all right. God knows what he's talking about because it's in the Bible. <laughs> and then just like really thinking about, okay, but where, again, like, where do I go from here? You know, like I have no one, you know, and having to start over. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with just sitting with myself because that's something that I was always scared to do. You know, I've, I had a lot of distractions in Connecticut. You know, I had my best friend, my God kids were there. My family were there. Um, so it was very easy that when I got in my, in a really bad headspace, it was easy for me to call somebody and say, Hey, do you want to go out? Hey, do you want to come over? Hey, do you want to go drinking? Um, where now I don't have that. And because I was unemployed too, living off my savings, it's not like I could go out and do whatever I wanted. I had no choice but to stay in my apartment and to really sit with myself and look at myself and say, where are we going from here? You know? And I definitely, this, this whole past year, um, when I say it was my rehab year, it was because I stopped answering phone calls. I stopped letting people get to me because now I'm 1,500 miles away, right? Um, I stopped, I stopped, um, I stopped thinking that I couldn't, I couldn't do something because I kind of proved the point by getting up and leaving, you know? Um, and I think that that moment where I was actually able to sit down and say, holy shit, like, I can't believe this is happening was probably when I made that one year anniversary of when I left where now I feel like I'm in a better space to, you know, to be myself again, you know, I'm kind of finding myself again, I'm loving myself again, and I'm dating myself again, you know, I think that that's so important and something that we forget. Um, we forget about that as, as women, I feel like we we're constantly letting other people control our happiness, that we forget how to make ourselves happy, you know, so now that I'm in a space in a healthier space, where I'm interested in dating, where I want to build a better community, I now have to take into consideration, well, how is this person's behaviors or how are their character traits going to affect me and my healing? I think that that's what, where I am right now. So if I feel like you're not meeting me at my same level, or if you can't contribute to my growth, then we cannot be friends. And I think that I've, I've become comfortable and I've become very confident with setting those boundaries very early on. Um, so I can't say, oh yeah, we're starting a new relationship and there is no expectations. No, I have expectations for where this is going, because if you're not contributing to my growth or to our growth, then we can't do this like at all. You are, I swear I could listen to you talk probably for hours. <laughs> I am just floored with everything you've been through and just your outlook on it. Um, 
I love that you dove into your faith and not away from it because mm-hmm. I know that some people, when they struggle and I'm, I briefly had, um, I don't want to get into it, but I had infertility issues. We did IVF, none of it worked. And so for me, I started to do the, well, why is this like, why are you doing this to me? Why me God? Um, and a lot of people, and I I feel like almost it's because a lot of people would say it's not in God's plan for you to have a baby. And so I feel like when people say that it makes you kind of angry at, right. Cause who else are you going to blame? And so I'm coming out of that and like starting to go back into my faith. And so I just love that you, you dove head first, like into it as instead of going back to therapy, you're like, I'm going to just, you know, dive into this. It's just because a lot of people can go the other way. And I, for one was, and I kind of like had to reel myself back in to be like, what are you like? No, God didn't do this to you. Like, so I just, I think that that's, that's just amazing that you were able to hold that through everything. Mm -hmm. I had to for my own sanity, but I would say though, like, I I wouldn't sit here and say that I didn't struggle with it because I did. I think every other week I'm just like, I quit these stupid studies. (laughs) I don't want to do this. I'm like, why, why would he do this to me? Like, why? Like it, it was, it was like, just to your point, it was constant like that. Why, 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 why? And I think that, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, victim blaming. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, well, God can't do everything and he ain't doing everything to you, you know? So it, it's you at the end of the day, it's you, it's your behavior. It's your, it's your, it's your path. And right. you know, you need to meet me halfway and you're not. So don't blame me. And I felt like I heard that every single time and I was like oh at some point I'm just like I surrender okay I get it. yeah <laughs> I no, surrender yes. no I feel like I kind of had a similar thing where it's like God didn't do this like this so to come back to that faith um oh my gosh I swear I seriously I could listen to you like I have so many notes and quotes from you I just you are incredible and to have come out of everything you've come out of just, like I said, your mindset and your outlook on life. It's just, I don't know, like your, your vibe or what it's just contagious. Like to have that positive, like passion. I love it. Um, so I, I guess I want to, I don't want to go over on our time. Um, mm-hmm. but so what is your new program fight to flourish? Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Oh my gosh. So that's like my third child, my third baby. Um, I have no children. I just like to create things and execute. That's just like my passions in life. Um, so fight to flourish is still very brand new and I'm still trying to figure out how am I going to juggle work and this plus there has been so many other opportunities with me also speaking, um, with other organizations. And I'm just like, "Ah, I was going to I was going to ask you if you speak, cause you would be an incredible speaker. Like I'd come listen to you. I could listen to you for hours. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I love that people are asking you to speak because that yes. I feel like is you're good. Yes. Do oh, that. that gives me so much confidence. I'm actually doing my first speaking engagement on April 30th. Yeah. So we're going to have to take some time. You got to plug all the things you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, okay. Tell us about fight to flourish and then we'll have you plug all your things and where we can find you. Yeah. So fight to flourish again, it's just anything that I do and anything that I develop and create, 
all comes from my experience because I'm not the only one, which is why Designing Your Future was, was created, why Becoming Her was created and Fight to Flourish because I am not the only one. We need to be comfortable with sharing our stories. We need to be comfortable with analyzing who we are as individuals. We need to be comfortable with, you know, identifying what our toxic traits are. I can tell you what mine are, pride and ego. There you go. <laughs> and I am not afraid before. I'm just like, oh, I'm not prideful. Oh, I am. I will cut you out and not even care. And that's pride, you know? Um, so I, and, and again, a lot of people that come out of situations like I have come out of or, or, or in, in separate situations, they always like to blame themselves or, or, or be victim blaming or, or say things like, oh, if, it, if, if my parents took care of me this way, I wouldn't have ended up like this or, and I'm just like, but you're 18, you're an adult or you're 25 or you're 30, whatever the case may be. I'm just like, you no, we need to, we need to stop that, you know, because we can all go down a spiral of what our parents didn't do or couldn't do for us that kind of led us to where we are today, you know, and I think that, you know, survivors, victims of abuse, any type of what it is, we have to, we can't allow them to, to, to play the role as, as victim. And which is why I, I'm always so cautious about sharing my story, because people are constantly identifying me as a victim or survivor. I don't mm -hmm. identify as neither, you know, because I am my own person. You know, I identify however I wish to identify. I don't need you to do that for me. Um, and I, because I don't want to be in that circle and I don't want to be in that space. So how am I, how am I sharing my story to empower or inspire other women or even men in that, in that same sense of how do we grow from this? How do we evolve? You know, and when I, and fight to flourish, is about fighting. You have to fight your demons. You have to fight through the trauma. You have to fight through everybody telling you you couldn't so that you can persevere, so that you can be the person that you've always wanted to be. So again, you know, plugging in a, a God quote here, you know, being God's greatest creation, because that's what he has called you to be. He didn't call you to be alone. He didn't call you to be sad and desperate and um, and lonely and sad. That's not why he created us. We need relationship. As much as I spent the last couple of years saying, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. I crave relationship. You know, I want a man. I do. You know? <laughs> I want a hot steamy man and I, and I want to wake up to him, you know, but you can't do that. I can't do that if I'm not in a healthier space, you know? So even with, um, even with my faith that has even inspired you know, a curriculum that I created called Before the Person. And again, it's all talking about how are we growing ourselves? How are we taking care of ourselves? How are we taking care of our trauma before we engage in new relationships, whether it's a romantic relationship, a work relationship, or a friendship relationship? We need to, we need to check ourselves, seriously. Yeah. And I do that all the time. And I think that that's something that I've learned to do is check myself at the door before I come for somebody, because I'm very quick to tell you what's wrong with you. And I won't say what's wrong with me because I'm like, I'm princess perfect Jackie. But the reality is, is that I am a hot mess. I am just as toxic as the next person, but it's all about who's willing to admit it and who's willing to work on it. I love that. So, so great. On that note, <laughs> if people want more of you, where can they find you? 
everywhere. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can find me on Instagram. Honestly, like I'm doing my best to be proactive on Facebook, but Facebook is more for like the older crowd. But yes, Instagram becoming her is a great place to find me. Um, LinkedIn. And then on April 30th, I am a featured speaker at the She Wins Summit, which I can um, send you those details in an email. Um, I'm going to be doing a workshop. It's going to, it's a two workshop, one in the morning and one in the afternoon that talks about um, the next phase of your life. Like when it's over, what's next? And we're going to be talking about evolving and growing um, after transitioning out of a relationship. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. If you send us that, we'll put it in the show notes. And I have one final question before I let you go. (laughs) What is the one thing you used to apologize for in the past, but you are unlikely to apologize for now? Ladies, first of all, this question was very hard to answer. (laughs) Because there were so many great things. And last night I went out to dinner, um, I went out to dinner with a friend and I, and I was just like, Oh, I should totally use that tomorrow for the show. So I totally changed it. So my <laughs> one thing, <laughs> and I wrote down my notes too. <laughs> so my one thing that I used to apologize for that I no longer apologize for now is my peace, my, my space, my boundaries. Right. I, I am the kind of person that well, I used to be the kind of person that I had a fear of missing out, right? I wanted to be the one person with all these friends and whatever the case may be. And I think that I always felt guilty too when friends would either dismiss me, wouldn't talk to me. And again, I don't know what my 30s did to me, but I would rather paint my house with a Q-tip than having to figure out why you're no longer talking to me, right? (laughs) (laughs) I am not, I no longer apologize for creating boundaries. I really don't. I'm in a space where we're either doing this or we don't. And as I mentioned earlier, I always have that conversation about, you know, like, I know it's not normal, but what are your toxic traits? You know, because (laughs) I just need to know if we're doing this or not, you know? Um, And I say this, not trying to come off as being conceited, but you know, something that I've learned through my growth and even through therapy and even just with some self-reflection is I'm an amazing person, right? I'm a great person, you know? I can be a best friend, a great lover, a great whatever, you know? And I'm just not in the space right now to tolerate ever to be mistreated like I have been before. So if that means that I can no longer, whether our friendship lasted a year, two years or five years, I can't, if that means I can no longer speak to you, it's because you are uprooting me from my peace and you're disrespecting my boundaries. So I know who I am and I know all the things that I believe in. And I know that I will never, ever, ever tolerate being treated like a doormat ever, whether Mm -hmm. friends, partner, or my family. My family is like number one. So and you are absolutely amazing i know i need you to come back we have to have you back i seriously i swear i could i could talk to you for hours i love it you are just incredible you have to come back we have to make we'll have you back for sure yeah i need more time with you (laughs) all right so we're winding down then so jackie of course thank you so much for this this was so great um 
and we, I can't wait to see what, what else you're going to do. Cause just keep, just keep creating girlfriend, just keep creating. Let's go. (laughs) I'm trying to, I told, I told my boss too. I'm just like, listen, things are about to pop off. Um, I was like, I gave myself to American for three years. I think after that, I think I'm going to be on a world tour. I kind of see myself kind of doing that, you know? Um, Oh, and then I'm also applying for a tech talk too on a, on the midlife crisis in your thirties. So I can also send you that information to all of it over. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. Oh I'm so excited. Thank you so much for even having me. Like, honestly, I've been looking forward to this for like weeks. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Heather, are you in Texas too? I am. I, I normally record at Nikki's house, but, um, my husband was working late and I've got an 11 year old, almost 11 year old. And I was like, he's not going to sit at your house for long before he's banging <laughs> on the door. So I'm home. Do Yeah. Yeah. But I don't live far from Nikki. Yeah. Oh. So what I'm hearing is, you know, so we're all you're gonna, you're gonna come visit, right? <laughs> or we can come, come visit you. I mean, either way. I mean, I think I kind of know where all the great places are. I mean, I went to Austin one time. Wasn't the greatest experience because I got robbed. But <gasps> <laughs> downtown. Oh my gosh, the homeless population is rough out there. Yeah, yeah they. Really it's not are. just downtown. It's it's, it's not just over. downtown. It's everywhere yeah. now. They let them camp here, so they were yes. everywhere. I saw that and I was just like, what is happening? I mean, I don't see it as much where I live, but um, I know that we were talking about downtown Dallas. I'm like, I haven't even stepped foot. <laughs> Especially after what happened in Austin. I'm just like, I'm all set. I'd rather just live here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we will definitely be in touch with all of the details for the episode of when it's going to air and stuff. But again, Absolutely. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes and coming on. Yes, Yes, thank you so much. much. Okay, we'll be in touch. Bye. Bye.